Welcome to episode 495 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Right, team, welcome along to episode 495 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How are you going, John? I'm pretty good, yeah. Last week you probably heard us talking about the weather, and admittedly in our world it's only an hour later, and it almost looks like it's back to summer again. Blue skies. Yeah. Here's your weather report. Thanks <laughs> to weekly update from weather.com. <laughs> What's been happening? Um, I've just been hanging What do you think of Star Wars? I, I did not pick that Luke was going to go to the dark side. Well, I didn't actually realise that Leia was a man. <laughs> it really <laughs> blew my mind away. That was the shock of the movie. I was like, whoa, who would have thought? And that bikini from Star Wars, I never saw the bulge. (laughs) I talk is proudly brought to you by Athlinks.com, social networking for endurance athletes, extreme endurance, galactic buffer, and our patrons. Let's name a few of them. I'm going to go Will Spectre more. (laughs) We're so obvious with some of them. But do you know what's funny about that one? Did we do it before? No. No. I was actually going to go and watch James Bond today. And then I made you do this? Yes. Oh, bad luck. Yeah. Mm. Ken, the mighty red Welsh. Oh, good old Yancey. How's he? Yancey. Man he's of fashion. Man of fashion. That's what he's doing. Is he doing some fashion, is he? He's doing a bit of cycling. Paul, chainsaw link. Oh, the link brothers. I like the links. Um, Tommy Hoppy Craig. Nice. That would have been one of yours. <laughs> yeah, it must have been. <laughs> Rob, the key, Lockwood. Oh, that's gold, John. Absolute gold. If you want to be a patron of the show, you know what you need to do. Go to imtalk.me and you can rock out with us. Again, this week's show, we, we, it's, it's, it's the end of the year, guys. But we have got a good interview. So we're going to do a little bit of a summary of 2015. We're going to do our website of the week. Coach's Corner? No, we don't even coach the corner. <laughs> Why do you put these <laughs> It's a it's un, 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 failed Copy to delete. Paste. Yeah, failed uh, to delete. But we have got a cool interview. We have Rachel Joyce, the Joyceinator, Joycetron, whatever you want to call her, multiple um, podium place getter in Hawaii, and really just get a bit of an update on what happened for her in Kona, and also really around the 50 woman to Kona. Uh, and because that, that was all the talk this year. That's wait and listen to the interview, mm-hmm. and uh, Joyce is going to fill us in on that, and, and other things have sort of got in the pipelines, and sort of where they're at. Okay, well let's talk about this year, John. 2015's been a, a good year for racing. It has, and it's been some Dojo dominations mm. by Jan Frodeno and Daniela Reef, really. It's been the year, so isn't it? What I sort of thought would do is because Bevan and I often going through the year and we can't remember who the 70.3 sort of podium people was. Give us a hard time. People give us a hard time. So I thought we'll recap that, make sure we give plenty of love, not just to the winners, but the people who are sort of in the top five or top 10 and try to give a little recap. So you've on really the races. put these as the most important races. You've got the 70.3 Worlds, mm-hmm. you put Roche and Frankfurt. I thought so, yes. Okay. What about Melbourne? Yes, but we didn't have. I didn't want to have too many races. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, Kona, and then the ITU Grand Final. Yes. Okay, let's talk about them. So, for the first thing we've got to say is WTC this year took seventy point three champs to Europe. Finally, decided to actually globalise this and go elsewhere. In the past, it's always been in America, or uh, the year before it was in Mont Blanc in Canada. This year, it went to Europe, and they picked out a brilliant course. Yeah. So I've got to give them some love for that because it was a really cool uh, location. The bike, they had this big hill to go over, uh, and the scenery was stunning, and it just looked like 
that sort of place, kind of place where I'd like to go and do a world championship race. We had some pretty spectacular performances. In fifth place, we had Michael Raylert, who many believe is one of the best 70.3 athletes on the circuit, uh, just edged out by six seconds from Bart Arnotts. Javier Gomez wasn't quite on his A game. He was a little bit sick, ended up only in third place. He was actually outrun by Sebastian Keenlay. By the, who actually ended up having one of the fastest runs of the day. He ran 1 hour 15.22, only about 30 seconds slower than Bart Arnott's, who at most races has the fastest runs for the day, as he did here. So Sebastian Keenlay was in second, but Jan Fredino just crushed it. He ended up only being, uh, what's that, about a minute and a half in front of Sebastian Keenlay. But the way that he won the race, he was hurting all the way through the run, so he was leaving after the swim, he smoked the bike, and he was in the lead, and he didn't have the fastest run split, but he looked like he was hurting, but the just put a massive statement out there on the bike saying I'm the real deal and uh, if you want to beat me anywhere in the world, you're going to have to, <laughs> I'm first out of the swim, yeah. I've shown now that I'm one of the best bikers in the sport and I'm probably the best runner in the sport in terms of long distance, so you, you know, you've got to find a chink in the armour, it's pretty difficult. I wish Gomez was coming to Ironman this year. Yeah. I know he's got to go to the Olympics and, and you know what, in some ways I, I would love him to win the gold medal because it's just how long this guy's been around at a high level in the sport. Mm. Um, but you know, you've got to win in the race, but at the same time, I just think this, uh, do we get him too late next year? Oh, nice. St- Next year, if he carried on for a few more years, like Bevan Doherty did, he sort of probably went a few years um, too late, and just the way the Olympics sort of fell. Now Gomez will still be on fire next year. Okay. Well, I'd love to see. I just wish. Imagine if he was here this year. I mean, you think this this year he had one of his best seasons ever, and yeah, he's getting a bit long in the tooth towards the end of the season, but he's still right up there winning winning races. So, uh, no, I think he'll still be ready to absolutely crush it. But not everybody that transfers across from short to long. Can do it. So Gomez has dipped. I know he hasn't done Ironman, but he's done a lot of 70.3s. He's done some 70.3s. He's done well in very 70.3s, well. isn't he? So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll find out in time, I suppose. What happened on the girls? Girls side of things. So we had a slightly, probably not quite as strong a field as we've seen in the past, but still some very good girls. Like you had Susie, Susie Cheltenham down there in seventh place, and she ended up in the top ten in Kona. So, um, but... The year before, I think, yeah, it was, was really a stellar field. This year we had fifth place, Alicia Kay from America, and then we had Magali Tessery in third, fourth, uh, Anya Berenek, uh, who was right up there out of the swim. Um, she ended up in third. Heather Wirtle came through really nicely on the run for second place, and Daniela Reef though, just absolutely smoked them. Domination of the dojo in a world champs. Because I know we said 20 minutes in an Ironman, but in a, she won by just about 12 minutes and a half. Yeah. But in saying that, John, you do have to say it's not a strong field. It's a strong field. But it's but not a rock star field. It's not. You didn't quite have um, like a Joycey yeah. um, and people like that from, from previous years. So I think any ITU girls. No, you, had, uh, you did have um, Jodie Swallow there, but I think she'd crashed just before the race. So, yeah, I would say it's not quite as strong as no. what we've seen in the past, but still 12 minutes yeah, is phenomenal. massive. Yeah. So she had the fastest, or it looks like she had the fastest, I think she may have been second out of the swim, but it looks like here, I don't know if there's anybody quicker than her. Radka Vitakova was maybe, she was right up there out of the swim. Absolutely just toweled them on the bike with a 4.21. But probably most impressively then ran a 1.22 off the bike as opposed to the next fastest one was uh, over two over two minutes slower by Heather Wirtle. Yeah, 12 minutes. Yeah. 
awesome. impressive impressive okay next race we're going to have a look at in this year and this game we're just looking at kind of the the big races from this year and the next race is the road yeah and we had three guys go sub eight hours i wonder how often that's happened in a race pretty rare no pretty rare yeah Nils Frimhold took it out. He swam 47, he rode 409, ran 251 for 751, 28. Uh, holding off Timo Brandt, who came home with a 245 marathon. And good old David Dallow, whose name sort of comes on and off the radar. Well, he he's got the potential to pull off this type of race, hasn't he? But he then, then he, he he kind of has these periods. He gets a little bit injured, doesn't he, Dave? He does. Yeah, so he was, was he second in Melbourne, I think, maybe early in the year? Or was that the, maybe even the previous the year? year? Yeah, maybe it was the previous year. But David Dallow uh, had a... Great race, third, and then last weekend or two weekends ago in WA, he got second, second or third there, oh, okay. or he res, ran ran his way right at the field with a two forty six or something. So he's got the goods there when he can put it all together. And he's had a couple of good corners. Yes, tens. is yeah. it two or one? Uh, I think just one. Yeah. And Pierre Pierre Bittner was in fourth, and Stefan Schmid was in fifth and eight eleven. So I would say this year uh, on the guys' side of things, compared to the previous years, uh, probably weren't quite as strong. And equally on the girls, like last year I think might have been or the year before was their thirtieth anniversary, and they just had these stacked fields. Like last year you had Joycey and uh, Joycey and Rinny and, and so on going head to head and putting yeah. up some really decent times. This year not quite so much. Had Yvonne Van Verken. Well, so on the girls' side of things, we had three girls under nine hours. So we had three guys under eight. Yeah, but three girls. Now. Under nine. Yeah. It's harder to get under eight for the boys than yeah. it is sub nine. Yvonne Van Vlerken took it out in 8.50 uh, from Carrie Lester in 8.53, Anya Berenik in 8.55, Gina was uh, Gina Crawford in fourth in 9.04, and Daniela Scheimera from Germany was 9.09. So still some pretty respectable times there in road. It's impressive that Yvonne just keeps on trucking, eh? Oh, yeah. You know, because she's been around for a long, long time. Mm. You know, she's been around at a high level pretty much 12, 13 years now, hasn't she? Oh, plus the rest, I would have thought. Yeah. So when we raced and wrote, it was 2007, and that was when she was really starting to break through on the Ironman side of things. So that's, you know, yeah. a good sort of eight years Ironman racing. But prior to that, she's she had quite a few years of duathlons and lower level triathlons and stuff. So, yeah, she's been around for a while and still performing very, very well. Yeah. Okay, our next race we're going to look at is Germany, which is pretty much the second biggest race on the Ironman calendar, really, isn't it? Mm. You know, you, we've got the championship races, but Germany seems to be the one that draws the biggest field. Melbourne was doing pretty well. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be interested to see what happens in the Australasian championship race. Have we had any announcements on that yet? Yes, it's going to Cairns. Oh, this is true, yeah. So mm. it'll be interesting to see what happens there. And also, unfortunately, the timing of the year of Cairns. It's not so good. It's going to no. clash with these other yeah, races. so it kind of doesn't really necessarily help in trying to draw although will we seen similar athletes do melbourne and germany mm. we weren't really were we we kind of saw more seeing australasian guys mm. doing the it'd melbourne be good if it had come to new zealand Give it would have been great tapo really. nice little prop up yeah well, i would say so we just had our, our you know 70.3 it was on a couple of weeks ago we we're only we we're recording the show the day after it but Triathlon does bloody well in new zealand it got coverage on our main network news at six o'clock yeah. reasonable you know good Four, four minutes, sorry. Yeah. yeah, four minutes. I don't know. Yeah, it's no, a stretch. Because no, on the sport stories, it's a four-minute story. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, great coverage. Yeah. Uh, in Frankfurt, though, this year, we had fifth place was Frederick Van Leerd. Uh, he had a solid race in 8.07. Will we see him come back? Do we think, no, do he's, we think he's, he's always there or thereabouts, and he's, he's just that steady Eddie. He's not going to run a 2.40 marathon, mm. but he's one of those guys that's like, say, um, Tim O'Donnell and stuff, if they're having a fantastic day, 
get off the front a little bit on the bike, or get in that little breakaway, and they can run 255, 250 to 255 in Kona, and be on the podium. I can't see him winning Kona again, but I can see him being on the, co- the podium again. He's just a good, steady athlete. Well, I suppose with the introduction of Fredino and Keenley stepping up another gear, have we seen the males go to another level? I think so, yeah, absolutely. They've got a... Can't have any chinks in their armour. No. Andy Boucheret was in third, Sebastian Keenley in second, and Jan Fredino, like he did at 70.3, just said, I'm going to just smash you guys to smithereens on the bike. He looks brilliant on the bike. But he's smashing... Look at, look at this, 46 in the swim. 4.08 on the bike and then a 2.50 run. Mm. And he was hurting on the run. He was slowing right down. He was putting it, doing the old Fredino head in the, yeah. the bucket sort of thing. So he's capable of running you know, 2.40 when he's fresh. But again, he really pushed the bike. And that's probably one of the things that we've noticed this season with Sebastian Keenlay. He's still had some great races. Like He's got seven, second at 70.3 Worlds. He's got second at the European Champs. As we're going to find out in Kona, he didn't have a, such great race there. But probably the one thing that's changed is he's not crushing people on the bike like he did in the previous year. His run has maybe been arguably a little bit better, but at the cost of maybe his bike not being quite as strong. Do you think we're going to have a problem with Fredino that we'll never actually see him do a great run because he, he kind of takes more of a risk on the bike now? Like, do you think we'll never actually, like, it would be nice to see Fredino kind of mm. have an average ride yes. and actually try to pull off the 240. Do you think we'll ever see that? Because it seems like his strategy is just destroy them. Yeah, and I think he, he, he he's there to win. And yeah. he's going to, yeah, he... he like if he ran, if he rode a, a two fifteen, four fifteen there, he you know he probably could have ran a lot faster. He mm. still would have won it because he won by eleven, twelve minutes anyway. But I'm just kind of curious. Unfortunately, it's one of the downfalls of the strategy is as as, an, as a lover of the sport, we may not see him go that because he's kind of the only guy right now. Well, maybe not the only, but one of the guys who can go a sub two forty. Yes, I'd agree. Yeah. So who knows. It could, you know, if a, if a race came down to being tactical between, say, him and Gomez or something somewhere, and they might just go, well, I'm just going to back my run and I'm just going to sit in here, and mm. uh, maybe something like that. But look, I think if, I, if you're in Jan Fredino's shoes, what do you care about? You care about winning, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and who cares what you run as long as you win the race? So. It'd be nice to get like a bit of a, a you know, an Alan Scott kind of. The two good, great runners, shoulder to shoulder, like a Gomez and, and Fredino. What would be great is if you got in Rote or somewhere where you had a pack of guys that are committed to just smashing it on the bike and these other guys that can legally sit in yeah. at legal distance, I'm not saying cheating or anything, see if they can sit in and get dragged around the course and then see what they can run and what sort of time they can do overall. So, so, so and one other thing from Germany, just as an observation, was Andreas Raylut had an okay race. It was kind of, you know, and it was, you know, we know later on in the year he came back and had a great Kona, mm. and you know, it was like, oh, it's good to see him doing okay again. Eight oh nine, you know, beat guys. This, it was a great field there. You know, you got Tyler Butterfield in seventh, so you had Raylut sixth, Butterfield seventh, um, and Nikolanos in eighth, uh, Marco Albert in tenth. So, <laughs> Danielle Reef in eleventh place. Wow. Impressive. Yeah. So the girls, girls. So I think, so, as we just said, uh, Daniela Reef just finished in eleventh place, which is a complete crushing. Uh, she did eight fifty one. Come on, computer. Um. Okay, Daniela Reef. Wait a second. Hold on. Here uh, we go. Female pro. Daniela Reef. Eight fifty one. Gets herself five thousand points and a ten minute victory. Which is uh, still a really good performance by Julia Geiger. So uh, Daniela Reef swam 52, rode 4.57, and ran 3.06. And that's where I think maybe we were saying on last week's show the difference between, say, a Chrissy and a Daniela. Chrissy would probably do maybe a touch slower on the swim. 
she would easily she would not easily she would bike roughly the same time as that but then she'd run a 255 yeah. and i think that's probably the difference at this stage but i do think danielle reef can run faster um but maybe she was under yeah instructed not to or she's just uh still sort of learning away that she is still pretty young in this uh in this long course game julia geiger was in second caroline stefan was uh in third and 9-11 sonia Tasik was in fourth, and Ruth Brennan Moray was in fifth in nine twenty one. So not a uh, we only had eleven finishes. Wow, she's only twenty eight. Yeah, but she has been around for quite a long time. Again, young Still. in age, but she has been at this game for quite a while. In terms no, but of we can ICU see ten years stuff. of her. Mm. You know, we, we, you know, really, we know that the females have the ability to tend to last longer, and we know the top guys are now lasting to their late thirties. Mm-hmm. So Daniela Reeve could be an, a name that's going to dominate sport for a long time. Like who else is coming up? Mm. Well, just just wait for the ITU. Ah, no, the next ITU. batch, John. Next that batch. didn't come last time. Ah, oh, they always come. <laughs> they always come. Okay, um, what's the next race we're going to look at? We're going to look at the World Championships in Kona. Oh, top 10, John. Tell top me 10. It. So I, I wouldn't have picked this if you'd said who came 10th in Kona. I would have probably thrown a whole bunch of names at you, and one of these people, would not. this person would not have been on my list. Boris Stein from Germany took out 10th place. He had just a steady, eddy day at the office. Swam 57, rode 430, ran 258 for an 831. Really shows that... Uh, that, that, but that's a that's a pretty decent bike split, but apart from that, you have a steady just steady day. You can sort of sneak into that top ten. Do, 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 I can't say it's a name I know, John. Yeah, no, he, he's been around there or thereabouts. Um, he certainly won some Ironman races, but wouldn't have been someone that I would have picked. Whereas, you know, that's a, if you run sub three hours in Kona, I know this year was uh, was quite a bit hotter and the run times seemed to be a bit cooler. But if you're a pro guy and you put on a good solid swim bike and you run sub three. You're going to give yourself a chance in the top 10. Mm. Ninth place, we had Brent McMahon. He only ran 3.06, and had he run what he's capable of doing, which you'd say is probably around about the 2.50 mark, then he probably would have gone jumped from ninth, maybe even onto the podium. Keenlay uh, faded a bit on the run, only ran 3.06. Struggled, didn't he? Struggled. Uh, also did not dominate on the bike like he has in the past. Only rode 4.25 when everyone else was he's sort of still fast, one of the fastest bike splits, if not the fastest, but... Or lots of other guys sort of within one or two minutes whereas in the past in the previous years he's had you know yeah. 10 minute leads and things like that Nico Lanos great to see him back in the game uh, right up there in seventh place Cyril Vino, who's missed consistency from France probably doesn't get as much credit as he deserves uh, in sixth place Tyler Butterfield in fifth place Andy Potts had a really good race and uh, would be really cool to see him on the podium in fourth place Tim O'Donnell had the race of his life Andy Potts got through to year four didn't he no. Did he? You can check that one, yeah. but I'm going to say definitely not. Okay, maybe we'll uh, again. Tim O'Donnell had a great race, and probably probably the most entertaining part of the race for me was when Andreas Raylert caught him, and for a few seconds he tried to hang on to him, and then he just got blown out the back door big time. But very gutsy race, and he just went for it on the bike and uh, and got his reward in third place. And Andreas Raylert. I was hoping he'd win. For a moment, when I was on the train, I was on the train or the treadmill or something, just watching it, I thought, man, he's actually going to do it because it looked like Fredino was fading, and he was, but Fredino had a bit of a tactic, and then he had his final sort of push and ended up winning relatively comfortably. But Andreas Raylert, 
it was just running sensationally. Yeah. And then he did fade, and he has done that in the past. We've seen it. But um, really good to see him back. And, yeah, it'll be interesting Could to see been, if he can yeah, stick with it. But, but uh, Jan Fredino, he was just in the box seat all day. And, um, oh, yeah. uh, Ray Luton is now my official best athlete not to win Kona. Okay. You know, the best guy in Kona mm-hmm. not to win Kona. Mm-hmm. I know we've got the Jacks and that of the world. but Pauli Kuru's be, will be up there as well. You can Zach. But he's got yeah. third, he's got second three. Yeah, yeah no, I would agree with you. Andreas Raylert is, is yeah. right up there. You know. And and it's shown guts every time too. It's not like you know, like mm. it's you know, like this, this year's race was just it was so good to see him back, you know. Mm. Um okay, uh, and the girl side of things? Girl side of things, it was a bit of a funny. You're one. right, he didn't get in the top three. Where was he? Uh, I don't know, I've only got two. He's three. been right, he's been in the top five fourth, before. Fourth or fifth. Yeah. The year we were there last time. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was interviewing, I didn't know where he got. And we, <laughs> we say this every time, he's a big unit. Oh, mate, I wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> so I wouldn't mess with many people, to, but I didn't run. mess with him. A, the way he runs Ironman is great. You know, he's running a, a really respectable time there. But it still blows me away that back in his ITU day, um, he was a, I remember he outran Bevan Doherty once. So I think it was at a, it might have been at a, a, a World Cup or World Series race in China. It might have even been a test event in Beijing, and I think he may have won it or got right up there. But yeah, he came off the bike with those dudes, and he was out running guys like Bevan Doherty, and he was uh-huh. that big. Uh-huh. It was awesome. But yeah, uh, the girls' side of the things was just a crushing by Daniela Reef. Uh, 56 swim, 450 on the bike, and 306 for an 857.57. So. I don't know if we can say too much about that. Just a machine. And Rachel Joyce gets sort of the award for comeback of the day because she didn't have a great time on the bike, as you're going to hear in a few moments, um, but came back nicely on the run and just slowly mowed her way back up the field. Do, and do you got know where she came off the bike? What position? Uh, I'm just going to pluck. It was, it was close to 10th. It was somewhere in that sort of range, okay. you know, somewhere between 6th and 10th. I so think. it was a bit of a Cam Brown performance, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. back in the day, Cam would always kind of be a little bit off the bike and just yeah. kind of work his way through the field. So, great to see her back there. 19, passed loads of girls on the run. Liz Blatchard was in uh, third place. Michelle, and, and I think she finished third either the year before or the year before that. Uh, Michelle Vesterby was race. in fourth, which, yeah, really solid day. She was right up there on the podium for, for a while, but faded a bit with a 3.17 on the run. Heather Jackson, who a lot of people were interested to see how she would step up, but good solid race in 9.21. Very close racing between sort of fourth and uh, and just through these sort of middle of the top 10 mm-hmm. um, positions. So she was fifth. Uh, Susie Cheatham was in sixth place in 9.23. Sarah Piampiona, Piano, um was in seventh and then has recently gone on to win Ironman Western Australia. Camilla Peterson, again, a comeback from uh, a you know, really bad accident a few years ago in eighth. Caroline Stephan faded a bit there on the run uh, in ninth. And great to see Lucy Gossage coming back after having a woeful time the year before to finish in 10th place and we heard from her straight after the race and she was pretty pleased with that a to get a payday but b just a redemption from having a shocker the year before so kind of this year it was it was kind of the introduction of the new dominators really wasn't it mm. you know we're going to see how Rennie goes next year in Kona yep you know because she didn't have a great Kona this year uh, was she sick or was she injured? Or? She uh, had a little bike crash yes. before the race um, but hopefully you know with, pe- with people like her you kind of sometimes just need a bit of a kick in the pants to refuel the fire. Mm. Uh, so probably not a bad thing for her to, to, to have that happen and go, right, next year I want to go back and crush it. But I think for me, the thing that's come out of uh, long-distance racing this year is how the hell are they going to beat the winners? 
<laughs> if, they, if they have their good days, great. Sure, if they have the, if they have an average day, everybody's beatable if they have an average day. But if those guys have good to very good days, how the hell do you beat them? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to quickly look at the ITU World Championship Grand Final. I know that it doesn't necessarily work that way because it's a points-based system right now, but you are kind of putting more emphasis on this race, John, is there yeah. a reason? Um, well, just because... Yeah, I prefer looking at one-off races rather than series. Mm. So Gwen Jorgensen is like we've got on the long-distance side. Is this the most side. important on the calendar? Yes, I'd okay. say so. Uh, so. Gwen Jorgensen is just crushing it. Just going to be really interesting to see how she handles the pressure. You know, She's going to be one of the hottest, hottest favourites in any sport to win a gold medal in Brazil. So, yeah, see how she handles the pressure. But the girls are getting closer. Non-Stanford was only uh, was running with her for quite a while, only 20, about 30 seconds behind. Vicky Holland's made a uh, great improvement to be third. And we had Andrea Hewitt uh, finish her season sensationally in fourth place. But... Who knows what's going to happen with Andrea over the next 12 months. So, yeah. So, Gwen Jorgensen, though, is the one all the pressure is going to be on her in Brazil. And I think the rest of the girls will probably be racing for second or third, but anything can happen on the day. Well, an ITU is definitely a bit more vulnerable to those types of things, isn't it? Mm. Uh, guys? So, Mario Moller actually took out the final race. He had a great head-to-head battle with uh, his compadre, Javier Gomez. So it only, yeah, and it was literally did come down to the, the, the finishing shoot, and Gomez just tried and tried and tried to get rid of him, uh, but he couldn't. So, Mario Moller really this year showed that he's the best runner on the circuit. Uh, if, it, if he can make the pack out of the swim... Uh, and be in contention off the bike then he is going to be right in the mix and Richard Murray showed that equally he was in third place he is one of the best runners in the sport but usually he's not going to make the the main pack and that will be my suspicion leading into the Rio Olympics is you have a slightly smaller field the course that they've got down there has got a hill in it and I think if the both the Brownleys and Gomez and maybe one or two others get their crap together in the swim and do what they've done in the past and really push it uh, early on the bike, then they'll, they'll probably possibly field. get away and, and possibly stay away. So it just becomes a running race between mm. those guys. It was really interesting to hear that interview from Brent McMahon a few weeks ago where, you know, in London, it kind of looked like the pack wasn't really doing anything, the main pack, but he said the front guys were just going for it. Everybody was committed, so the whole race was actually teeting the whole way around and... But it, they the, weren't really the sitting in. didn't give up behind them. Yeah. yeah. It was actually a better race. Yeah. So, you know, if it comes down to one big pack, Mario Mola could upset the the car a little bit. Who are you picking now? If you had to pick right now, you'd say Brownlee? If I, if I had 100 bucks here and you said put it on someone, I'd put it, still put it on Brownlee. But, you know, he's, he's he, going to make it. Like that, bit, that's the thing. He's been a bit glass this year, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. But he seems to be able to get his crack together at the right time. So mm. I think I'd put a lot of money on him to win. But who's going to be on Where'd the podium? What's happening with him? Yeah, he's much the same, but I, I'd put him in the same boat as Mary Mola and Javier Gomez, whereas Alistair is another step up. Jonathan Brownlee, I feel, is at the same level as those other guys. Is there any young kid coming through in the, in the short course? Uh, you got Vincent Louis, who's going to be the next uh, big thing because he can swim fantastically and he's a great runner and he's he won a round this year on the World Cup or the World Championship Series. So he would, yeah, there is a few and there's a few more Spanish guys coming through. So yeah, there's always a few kids coming through. What about in regards to another uh, the triathlon at the Olympics? Do we think that's going to be something for Tokyo? Uh, like I know you were hoping, you know, a few oh, years ago you were saying maybe this was it. Yeah, no, they're, well, they're really pushing for the mixed relay, so I've got no idea what their chance of getting it in are. Um, but 
yeah, to the Commonwealth Games. So it was great. I, I loved it. I thought it was a great event. Yeah, Commonwealth absolutely. Games. It was a bit of a highlight of the games. Uh, John, but just just before we move on to the rest of the week, what, what, what would you say? Some if we reflect back on twenty fifteen, and we see some movements in the sport that have been significant. What, what would you say? Some of the things that have been obvious to you. Well, I think for, probably the big thing through the middle part of the year was the fifty woman for Kona. Yeah, that was and massive, wasn't it? It was big news. But at the end of the day, you hear Joyce's sort of comments on this later on. At the end of the day, they didn't achieve what they wanted to achieve mm-hmm. at this stage. They're not going to be getting it for, for next year either. Mm. So and, and WTC is pretty... Got there putting their heels in, uh, digging their heels in on that. So that was probably a really interesting thing. Um, but I do like the direction that they've generally headed in in terms of having more championship races and, and sort of the general push. And then probably the other thing for me is, is we're seeing less... Pro races um, mm, and, an and, thing, and what impact that's going to have long term. And just the general state of the sport, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out over the next few years in terms of whether we've reached a peak or whether there is still a level for expansion because a lot of the races don't seem to be selling out quite as quickly and whether that's a case of there not being uh, more en- enough athletes to fill all those places or because of the expansion and the number of races, then people are just dispersing more widely. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where the Do you think the sport sport's goes. in a better place at the end of this year than what it was last year? Um, yeah, probably. Uh, probably The thing that would tip it over a little bit is yeah, you know, you've got the million-dollar payday now. Yeah. And so I don't know. I, d- I do worry about WCC's domination of everything and taking over the races and, and them just intentionally going out there and crushing challenge whenever they can and just taking over race left, right and centre. So that's probably my concern. Well, I think one thing that's going to be interesting moving forward to next year is the Chinese takeover. So it'll be interesting to see, and and I was speaking to someone who has a bit of the inside know, and they were saying that, um, you know, the previous owners were very much about let's get this ready to sell, whereas from what they can understand is that these the people who really want to nurture the sport. So mm. we may see a different kind of attitude, you know, because, mm. you know, Providence Finance had an investment, they wanted to make their return on investment, and they've done it. Mm. And so they probably went for a real kind of capitalist view of, you know, just you know get as much profit as prof- possible. Uh, this is now owned by one man, isn't it? It's a Chinese, just a rich business Chinese man, isn't it? I think that's... Well, I think he's part of a group, but yeah, he's probably one man that leads that group. And uh, and fingers crossed that the intention is for the bigger, greater cause. Obviously, you want them to make money. There's nothing with that, but hmm. at the same time. So it'll be interesting to see maybe this time next year what we'll be saying about the sport or maybe in two or three years from now. So that's pretty much uh, this week's summary of the year. Jombo, let's do a website of the week. I'll put some music on. Sounds good. Website of the week. And uh, do you want to send this through? Or? No, I just came across this the other day and used it last week. It's called racesplitter.com. Tell me about it. And they haven't paid for me to, to do this endorsement or anything like that. But you like it. Um, but I used it last week and it's really cool. So what it is, it's just an app you can download to your iPhone or iPad. And basically it's a, a simple timing system. Um, which I, And it's thirty four ninety nine on the, the App Store, which is awesome. What, what do you mean? It costs thirty four ninety nine dollars. Thirty four dollars. Yeah. Is it worth it? Yeah. Tell, what is it? It's doing? great. So you basically can time events uh, with the software. Oh, time it as in like for a race organizer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Did so you think it was like yeah? So 
what I did like a stopwatch. No, so what I did what I did last week is we had a kids one of our kids training sessions and we wanted to do a pretty informal little aquathon um, or an aquathon race for the kids. So I've got the name list of all the kids in there. I just uploaded that to the website before we went down and then you can download it into the app on your phone and then you press go and then you come they will just come through the finish line, you plug in their number on your phone or your iPad or whatever you've gone, press button and go boom. Results up on the web. But wait, when they're coming across the line, are you just pushing their number as they come across the line? Yes, I'm just plugging in number 23. And so I just put a number on their hand and uh, and they yell out their number when they come through. So, so it's not like a proper, you wouldn't be able to sit, like it's not like one of those timing chips. It's such. not a timing chip system, but it's a manual system that you could use at small level races. Um, I've, we've got a timing system we yeah. use on our laptops for most of the races we do and it's a little more complex than this. But for just training sessions and like if you had your group of runners out and you wanted to do a 5k time trial, as long as they're not coming in 10 at a time, this is great. And the good thing is then, boom, the results are up there straight away. And uh, it's just a, uh, the thing is, there's, there's plenty of software out there, but it's usually hundreds and hundreds of dollars. But for 34 bucks, um, it worked really well. really practical? Yeah. And then so like, the only fault would be lots of people at once? Yeah, because you've got to be plugging in those numbers. Yeah. And so that's probably the one downfall. But for the parents, I could as soon as we finished the session, I just said, here's the link, and you can go and uh, keep a record of your times. Oh, cool. And then you could upload it to Athlinks, and then you've got an official, um, yeah. we, we, might, we might even use this when we have the I Am Talk camp in April, 10-year anniversary uh, on KOM or something well, like that. Well, KOM. Yeah. Although might, I don't know if it recognises numbers large enough for the amount of time that's going to take you to get up the hill. John, it just hurts. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> so check it out, racesplitter.com. I found it quite useful. When I used to run up a hill, I always wanted to win. Yes. And and to be honest, I kind of won most of the time. And I can't ride like that now. I've got to go, just get up the hill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just a total different mindset, if you know what I mean. Yeah, like, absolutely. And I've got to control. Because I remember once, a few years ago, because I, I seriously, once I gave up on me and I stopped riding a bike. Mm. and You still commuted. And you still did your RPM. So oh, like I'm not you do you teach RPM? Yeah, I teach. So RPM is a, is a spinning class. But two hours a week. Yeah. It's different doing an air bike ride. Yep. But um, don't get me wrong, I'm still fit mm. compared to the average show, but, you know, specificity. But, um, and then one day I went into the long bays with the, mm-hmm. the, the cop ride. Yeah. Which I hadn't, I don't know why I ended up doing that, but I did it one time. Mm. And when I used to do this, I was a local ride, lots of people do it. And I used to always be one of the guys who'd be at the front. And I went up the first hill like I was like I used to be. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. I learned pretty quick uh-huh. I wasn't what I used to be Good old days oh, Sometimes it hurts Okay John Also just got to give a plug to tryrating.com Torsten's um, put up an interesting little post We're not going to talk through it now But 2016 Kona Pro qualifying in five charts Actually I will mention a couple of things They've got um, KPR points in Ironmans per, con- per continent And n- next year there's going to be 62,000 points on offer and 12,000 go to North America, 22 go to Europe, 10 go to Australia, and then you've got your South America and, and Asia and Africa, and, and uh, Kona gets 8,000. 8, and then it's interesting, the breakdown of points by continent, America gets 22% and Europe gets 41%. And then the breakdown of prize money, but then what's interesting is the breakdown of finishes per continent, uh, North America has 28%, 
Europe has 52%. So I think that's what that's really probably telling us is why is Europe has the most number of athletes. sort of pro athletes racing on the circuit. So check it out, try rating.com if you're into all this sort of stuff in terms of the numbers of, of course, uh, it? yeah, where, where it's all happening for the pro athletes, where they're from and where the money is. Um, yeah, check Good it times. out. Sponsor. Xendurance.com, they've got some great bundles on offer. So if you just want to buy your individual products, you can get that on recurring delivery. Turns up every month for you. But you can also get your protein nod, nutrition of the day, which gives you your protein and your extreme endurance and your omega. You also probably the, the I reckon the probably the best package for triathletes is the nod before you wad special, which gives you your extreme you endurance. Know what that's, that's actually a um, workout of the day or? Yeah, that's that's a CrossFit term. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But go. Uh, so extreme endurance is your sort of staple in terms of looking after your recovery, in terms of making sure you don't have those sore muscles, immune boost to make sure you stay nice and healthy, and then your omegas to make sure you're nice and intelligent like Bevan and myself. Uh, so that's a little package. And when you buy these these bundles, you get 15% off, or you can go absolutely crazy and you get the, tri- <laughs> the triumph. Which you is get extreme endurance, you get protein, creatine, fuel five, uh, extreme hydro X, immune boost, omega, and joint four. So you're going to be pretty supplement up. You are. That'd be a nice Christmas gift for someone. 303 bucks gets you a pack of everything on offer. I'd love to be rich enough to afford something. You know, imagine, imagine if you just had enough money to go, oh, each month I'm going to get that. A whole lot. Yeah. Great. That'd be nice to be rich, John. It would be. How much money do you reckon you'd need? Five gazillion. <laughs> <laughs> no, but what's the minimal amount of money? It's a good question. The minimal amount of money you'd need to give you the life, the ultimate life that you wanted. So it's not like you know a billion dollars, but like mm. if you got you know five mil or something like that, you know what? Mm. What do you reckon it'd be? I don't know. You've obviously given this some thought. What would it be for you? Oh, no, I think five mil. Right. I think if you got five mil, you could. I think I could live off a lot less you, than five you mil. You could invest it pretty wisely yeah. and not even have to work in and have a pretty cool lifestyle. Yeah. I just go after those fifty percent return investments because that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> Take to work in six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, so stuff. check it out, xendurance.com. Got all your bundle offers, and if you're just buying one-off stuff, remember to use the promo code IMTalk10. Okay, we've got an interview with a bit of a rock star of the sport, a good old friend of the show for a long time, actually. Yes. Rachel Joyce, John did the interview because I was busy, um, so let's check it on. Okay, guys, we've got one of our favourite guests back today. She finished second in Kona this year, coming back from a fair distance um, on the run and smoking past loads of the girls, been on the podium several times, got a load of awesome results, including world titles behind her. She's one of our favourites. So, Rachel Joyce, welcome back to the show. Hi, John. Thanks for having me back. Now... It has been a while, um, because yeah, last last, I saw you at the pool when we were over there in 2014, and you uh, you you weren't particularly worried about me beating the um, the girls, and uh, perhaps (laughs) perhaps rightly so. (laughs) Um, Now, Kona, obviously, it's been a few weeks since Kona. I actually watched the NBC coverage when I was on the trainer a couple of days ago, and I was still sitting there scratching my head, going, "What happened to Joycey on the bike?" So, so spill the beans because it looked like you were right there after the swim, um, but then you kind of just disappeared. Yeah, um, I had a really good swim, and Jody had gapped us, but I was leading that the kind of group of swimmers. Um, and I had a good transition and then I came out of transition and 
um, I put on a kind of a long sleeved zip jersey and the zip just completely undid um, <laughs> as I got onto the bike um, after the bike mount area. And so I was trying to do it up as I rode along, but it wouldn't, I, you know, my bike skills aren't good enough for me to do that. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's one of those things in the heat of the moment, I had to de- decide what to do. And um, I decided to stop and do my jersey up and it just took a little while to get it to do up and by that time that lead pack had like made had got away from me they were a minute up the road so um then I had <laughs> I had you know I was trying to be calm about it and not try and chase them down and kind of burn too much too, too many matches early on um, and I did start to gain on them at one point but then um, I, the, the gap went from about a minute 40 to the next information I got was they were five minutes uh, in front so um, it was an unusual situation for me to be in because usually I'm in that group mm. um, and it was quite disheartening to see that gap grow and grow um, up to the halfway point but um, luckily I kind of stuck to my guns and didn't give up and you know I obviously I wanted to win that race but Daniela was just too good on the day but um Mm. I felt like salvaging a second place was um kind of a a a big of it you know it was a victory for me after after that mistake was it um in some ways a blessing in disguise um because you know we see Rennie often having you know these amazing run splits over there after she's ridden almost the entire course either by herself or or, or with just one or two others um did it, did it mean that you actually could ride more of an even output or was it just yeah was it was it different to the the, the surging and stuff you might have had in that group in previous years yeah i know i mean i I try and put a positive spin on it and think, okay, um, by keeping a steady state, I was able to run into second place. And who knows, had I been in that group, maybe I would have been one of the people that was struggling on the run. Mm. Um, but I'm a racer, and so not to be able to react to the moves that were made in that first pack uh, – you know, I'd always rather have been in the group and made the decision whether to go or not. And, you know, I, I've i been on the podium before in Kona and now when I go to Kona, I want to win it. And I think for me, I would have been better off to be in that group and mm. see. Um, and because, because who knows, maybe Daniela would always have made that amount of time on me, but... Mm. Um, when you get the information, you know, it's just part of the course that it's always very delayed. So by the time I get the information that she's 12 minutes ahead, you know, I can't react to the move because Mm -hmm. it's that far delayed. But had I been in the group, I could, you know, make a decision. Do I try and go with Daniela or do I not? Or do I, but I'm also closer to the action that I can decide how much time I want to, you know, I'm going to allow to to grow between us, mm. which is just m- much more difficult to do when you're uh, kind of further back. Yeah. Do, do you feel like you've had, um, I mean, obviously you've had some fantastic results in Kona, you've been on the podium and stuff, but you, have you had a race yet where you've had, you know, there's probably no such thing as the, the perfect race, but have you had a race yet where you've had a great swim, a great bike, 
and a great run. I mean, and I guess what I'm getting at is, is there more in the tank um, that we can see from you? Um, you know, I, I do believe there is more in the tank. Um, but having said that, it doesn't mean I don't think I've ha- not had good performances. And I, I would say that my 2013 race was a really strong showing and, mm. um, you know, really had to do something pretty special mm. to, to, to beat me that day. And, um, I think going sub nine and I put together just a, a very solid swim bike run. So I, I think 2013 is probably the best performance I've had to date, but I still think, um, there is more in there. I certainly hope, because I guess it's, the girls keep just lifting the standard. You know, you had Chrissy, and then you've had uh, Rennie lifting the bar on the run, and now you've had Daniela Reef, who's um, looks pretty strong across the board. It's, it's, uh, yeah. you, you keep getting these uh, these Uber girls coming in from from sort of left field. I suppose some of them not, but um, <laughs> it's it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Ah, uh, well, that's why we do it, and um, you know, that's kind of what motivates me to to go back to the drawing board after each Kona and look at where I can do better and, you know, uh, try and get that perfect race or, you know, not. I, I'm kind of under no illusions that it's very difficult to have a perfect race when it's nine hours long, but I still think that I can have a, a better race than I've had awesome. so far. And I'm intrigued, what's the deal with your, your sort of Coke setup? Because we saw earlier in the year, you know, pictures of you and Tim Don and I uh, can't remember who else down in Brazil. How did you sort of uh, end up being associated with Coke out of Brazil? Um, so it's Team Bravo is the name of the, the team and um, Coca-Cola Brazil is uh, the sponsor. Um, and I... There'd been kind of talks going on for much of uh, 2014 and, um, you know, it was kind of a case of like talking it through and seeing how this could work and it it came to fruition at the end of 2014 and I joined the team with Tim and um, we, there's obviously more Brazilian guys on the team um, and the idea is that, you know, we're, we launched the team in February and that was the first time we actually got to met but since meet but since then we've met a lot more times and the idea is that we can pass on our knowledge and what we've our experiences to the Brazilian guys in how they train and how they approach racing and um, we also uh, take a lot from them because they've got such a, a great attitude and having fun as well mm. as you know training hard so it's been kind of a uh, as well as sharing the, the Coca-Cola sponsors, it, we kind of want to kind of grow the professional sport in Brazil as well. Nice. Now, one of the areas where we've, we've known you bit to be um, pretty vocal, I've heard you talking about it before, um, and uh, sometimes maybe banging your head against the wall is, is the tri-equal um, movement you're involved in and in, in trying to get 50 women to Kona. Just from, from my perspective, it looks like you are kind of... Uh, banging your head against the wall in terms of, I guess, if Andrew Messick's in charge, he's kind of, seems like he's dug his heels in, and no matter what, how much um, media coverage you guys get, it it kind of feels to me that uh, he's going to dig his heels in almost no matter what. So what what sort of progress have you made, and and where are we sort of at at this stage with um, the 50-woman Tacona? Um, I think if you looked at, I mean, I, I, I see what, 
tri-equal ha as, as having achieved so far as we've really raised um, awareness about the fact that there are there is an inequality in the number of pro men and pro women at Kona and at 70.3 World Championships. And I think uh, until we started talking about this and bringing it into the kind of public arena, a lot of people weren't even aware there was a disparity in the numbers. So mm. I think that's one thing we really have achieved. And uh, you can see that we've started to get coverage in, at least in the US, in kind of much in some mainstream media like Sports Illustrated and um, WSPN uh, on their website. And I think um, the more that people become aware of it, they kind of, you know, not just pros, but age groupers kind of question why is there this inequality? Um, obviously, there's been no actual decision to make the numbers equal yet, which is frustrating because I, I think, <coughs> at least from my perspective, I see it as kind of inevitable that there will be equal numbers at some point. Uh, it it just see, seems like the right thing to do on kind of many different levels. Mm. And I actually see it as being something that would benefit the WTC as much as anyone because uh, they want to grow the sport amongst women, you know, participants. Um, and one way to do that is like lead by example with the pro field. But um, at the moment, there's been no sign. Well, it's not going to change in 2016, is what we've mm. been told. Um, but luckily, we're we're not going anywhere, so we'll keep <laughs> lobbying on the matter. Is there any is there any dialogue in in terms of? I mean, I know you've you've probably spoken to Andrew Messick and stuff. Um, I guess sort of off the record, but are they open to any dialogue or not? I think they are open to dialogue, and I think. Um, this actually is kind of linked to the pro tri triathlon union because um, this is a kind of issue that the PTU could definitely take up as one of its causes and work with Triequal to kind of look to finding a solution where men and the men and women professionals are treated the same. Mm. Um, and one thing that has become clear in the dialogue I've had with Andrew Mezik and other people at the WTC is that they do want the professionals to unify. So they they actually have a body that said so that that is the WTC actually have a body that they can talk to because at the moment it's like herding cats and yeah. you know it's just it doesn't look great when the only way people are really communicating how they feel is with a rant on Twitter mm. and that's that's really a trigger behind the PTU is we want to, we as professional triathletes want to be more professional. And, but if we can get some momentum behind the movement, then we actually, you know, we become more powerful as a group and can start achieving, uh, you know, some of the things that get people's go. Uh, mm -hmm. And rather than channeling that, via Twitter, we can actually use it to have kind of construct constructive discussions with um, WTC and other race organisers. 
Look, again, on the, the pro triathlon union front, it looks like um, it's been a bit of a challenge getting um, you know, perhaps the, the second or third tier athletes on board. I mean, we haven't seen the lists of who's signed up, but we saw that recently the sort of membership fee was, was slashed. Has it been a bit of a battle? You know, most of us triathletes are pretty selfish and kind of often look after ourselves. Has it been a bit of a battle getting, getting sort of buy-in from all the pro athletes? Um, it hasn't been easy to get buy-in, but I do think that we at the PTU are partially to, uh, we, some of that is how we decided to launch the union. And I think it almost, the way it looked perhaps to others is that here are a group of, you know, first tier triathletes. They don't know what it's like to be, you know, trying to make it as a professional triathlete and they're asking for this humongous membership fee why would we join what are they going to do for us which is why we kind of went quiet for a bit we went back to the drawing board and I know that a lot of the people who are like who are kind of trying to get this going it's not really to be honest it's I don't think in my in the lifetime of my career I'm I'm actually going to feel the benefit of the PTU because mm. you know I'm at I'm getting towards the end of my career and I'm realistic it's going to take a little while for the the mechanics of the PTU and how it works and how we negotiate with uh race organizers to to really bear any fruits mm. but I love this sport and I really want the professionals to have a future in this sport which is why I got involved and I want I'm not I'm not one of those people who think well I had it tough when I was starting out as a pro pro triathlete so everyone should have mm. to kind of go through that if I can make it easier for the next generation in any small way by getting this you, you know by helping to get this union up and running then I really want to do that which is why I've got involved at this point and to be honest I feel uncomfortable being an unelected founding member of this um of you know i'm called a board a director of the the ptu and i what i want to happen is i want people to join onto the forum see what it's about join the union and then as soon as possible we vote people on to be the the directors uh, kind of in a democratic way because i you know i I like democracy and I feel a bit uncomfortable that I'm kind of self-appointed. Oh, you're going to be a politician <laughs> in the future. Um, Rachel Joyce for Prime Minister, I think. <laughs> um, one of the other areas that um, with TriEqual that you guys have been working really hard at is um, with regards to start times for the female pros. Um, yeah. What sort of progress have you been making there? Because I know that when I was watching the 70.3 coverage um, that Danielle Reef was uh, was catching up to some of the pro men and riding through some of them. But I know it's often the age groupers that, um, that you know, through no fault of their own, um, get involved in the women's race as well. So what, what are you proposing on the, the race start times and what sort of progress are you making? Um. Well, we came up with a kind of our ideal starting protocol, which is on the TriEqual website. I don't want to quote the exact times because uh, yeah. I might get it wrong, but I think we want to see, we, it's a slightly different protocol for 70.3s than it is for the full Ironmans. Um, and 
we what we've been doing behind the scenes is contacting different race directors to kind of try and understand exactly what are the constraints that they face um and why which means that that the the start times aren't spaced out enough yeah. um and also work out why sometimes you can be told that the start times are one thing and then the day before the race suddenly the women the pro women find out that the the 10 minute gap to the age group field has been reduced to 5 minutes for example mm. um and do you know this is something i really feel strongly for and i feel like the women are the pro women often take the hit for 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 all the other groups because why I don't think we should have to like defend why we want to have a fair race Mm. and I also don't like looking and planning my race schedule and saying well I'm not going to go to this race because we pretty much know that if you're a strong swim biker you're probably going to none of that's going to be rewarded because there's going to be a massive pipe a pack of age group guys that catch the the slower swimmers and that's n- and I know that no one wants to be caught up in that and no one should have to worry no pro woman should have to worry about that but why are we still talking about this you know mm. championship races the I think there's about one that I would do because the rest seem to be you know it's a bit of a pot shot as to you know who actually is the winner mm. uh, and I just you know you put so much time into preparing for an Ironman and you know it's how we make our money and I want I want to be beaten by someone who's better at me at swim biking and running not not have other race dynamics taking taking an effect on what mm. the overall result is so yeah, that's why we're talking to race directors to find out, you know, what the constraints are and what the solutions could be. Um, is the 17-hour cutoff time for Ironman sacrosanct or can we make, you know, it would only make, mean making it 1645. Mm. And that's quite a long time. Mm. Not many people not many people finish in that last half an hour. Most people finish before that. So, you know that's something we could consider. And often, I know Frankfurt doesn't even have 17 hours. It has 15 hours. Yeah. So there's nothing set in stone about how long um, athletes are given to finish an event. And if you're going to a championship event, maybe we make the cutoff time a bit shorter for everyone. Good idea. That's just one idea. <laughs> you got a lot on your plate, Joyce. Is, is there anything else you want to you, you, you're venting on at the moment in terms of uh, any other issues on the hot plate? <laughs> Don't get me started. I am actually generally happy in life, but you know it can always be a little bit better. <laughs> what, what's the plans for 2016? I mean, obviously, when you have your second place finish, um, you're pretty much locked and loaded for Kona in terms of a points perspective. But you will need to go and do an Ironman somewhere. Um, do you have a, sort of a schedule, or at least a provisional schedule for 2016? Yeah, I'm, I'm. It's starting to come together. I haven't. Nothing's completely set in stone, but um, the the general plan will be to race quite a few seventy point threes up till um, June, and then I'll be doing an Ironman sometime in June, July time. 
Mm. So that's that's as much as I know so far. But I am I am going to Pukon seventy point three in January. That's definitely that's definitely happening. So um, I'm going to have to keep moving over Christmas because otherwise that's going to be a very painful experience. Yeah. And um, I see that you also did the Island House. Um, triathlon sort of uh, weekend a few weeks ago um how was that experience for you you know it was an amazing experience if i if i take the competitive part of me out of the equation uh it was an amazing experience to be um on the start line with people like gwen jorgensen lisa norden flora duffy people who i would never race against usually um you know, it was pretty amazing to to be to be on the start line with them. Um, I kind of the competitive part of me was like, oh, I wish I had a little bit more time to prepare post Kona because um, you know I, I didn't have. I just felt like I could have done better had I been able to prepare a bit better for it. But that's that's just the nature of sport, um, and I'd maybe changed some of the distances a bit that's <laughs> 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 long course <laughs> to have a, have a half iron man on day three how many laps of the island would that have been if you had to do a half iron man um, a lot <laughs> yeah more than 10 so. yeah. yeah nice <laughs> yeah but it was stunning it was like an incredible location and i think it's exactly what the sport needs because it is a completely different format and um you you know none of us knew who were racing how we'd feel on day three of you know three days of pretty intense um, racing and um, I think it kind of brought together audiences from the from the ITU circuit and from the Ironman circuit so yeah I I loved it. I'm just waiting for this for a downtown Ironman where you guys get to do say a nine lap bike course and and I don't know a a seven or eight lap run so we can all sit down just watch you pros go round and round in circles i think that would be awesome i don't know what you think about that yeah i, I mean anything that gets more people watching i'm up for nice very good uh, we always love having you on the show joycey so um thanks so much for your time we'll be back in kona this year or no next year in 20 20- 16 and look are you for- doing new zealand then no no i'm on the sidelines um ah, okay. i uh, got enough uh last year was enough for me for a little while and i'll uh well you could join us in france again like you did last time and show me up on the hills um oh, yeah. we're, we're going back yeah. to france next year uh, i will be in france over the summer so i may go. turn up Perfect. <laughs> awesome thanks again so okay. much for your time and oh, if people want to follow you what's the best way for them to do so um my twitter handle is rjoyce09 um i'm on instagram as rachel s joyce and um find me on facebook awesome it's probably the best way fantastic (laughs) and we are back any insight john well no we're going to go roll straight into um another sponsor athlinks.com Okay. Because I thought, I thought, I wonder if Joyce is on Athlinks. Oh. And because Joyce used to listen to shows, she probably doesn't anymore, but she used to back in the good old days when she was uh, an age group athlete. And because I remember getting in touch with her, we went across to, to France one time for yeah. Epic Camp, and she came over with uh, Thames and Lewis. And, Thames uh, and her baby as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was a little bit. That was a while ago. I know, but I'm just yeah. baby updates. Yeah. And um, came and joined us and spanked us around uh, the hills. But she used to, Joycey used to listen to the show. She must have heard about Athlinks. And and then you can go back and look at Joycey's old results. She's only listed a few, and she must have stopped uploading them from about to two, 2008. But you can go see her progress because uh, she did the City of Bath Triathlon back in 2005, the 2 hours 22. And then she can see she did the Reading Half Marathon. She only used to run 1 hour 26 back in uh, 2006. She'd run quicker than that in a half Ironman now and then she improved the, uh, the next year to 122 and then she got to 2008 and she was uh, she was too cool for school for athletes any longer after 2008 but I was thinking I go onto so many of these pro websites and they haven't got their results or anything up there from or they've got a, the odd random results if I was a pro you just put them all on athletes and then you can just have a link to that on your website yeah, likewise if you guys have got your own age group websites or blogs if you have them there then you just peop, if people want to check out your results boom they're all there you don't have to type anything it's pretty cool because at this stage she was doing a 519 half mm. you know, so she's, she's back in 2008 yeah so she's progressed She's a real good example of someone who's just done the hard yards, eh? Because mm. she's she's a great athlete. She's been around for yeah, so it's, uh, ten years. I'm not sure if the Bath race was near her first one. She did win that. Uh, so first over, was she first overall? First in her age group, seventh, seventh yeah. overall. Yeah. Um, but no, it was she back got in first two, gender. First gender. Yeah. Back so. in 2005. So she's been at it for a while. Joyce is a rock star. So again, if you're a pro and you're just in the mm. show. Get on Athlinks. If you're not a pro, do it as well. But that's something you could do as well is have your Athlinks page because a lot of it is personal websites nowadays. Mm. You can just link to your Athlinks page. My, athlete, my athletic performance sits here. Bang. Yeah. Link it over. Bob's your yeah. uncle. Is you have you got an uncle Bob? Uh, no, I don't have an uncle Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Philip. Philip. You have a Philip? What's your uncle's names? Uh, Michael. John. Peter. Okay, what's the best one? I hardly know my uncles. Oh, do you? They're all overseas. Oh. We didn't have any relatives in New Zealand. Didn't you? No. no. Is that odd? I suppose you don't need Don't know. Yeah. I had Uncle Kev. Uncle, Uncle Kev. Phil. Yeah. Uncle Tony. Yeah. Uncle Tony was the best because he was always one of those guys who always wanted to impress you. Yeah. So it was always good fun. Nice. Uncle Terry. Yeah. Terry's a bit of a strange one. Okay. He, he was a guy who loves the savings. So if, like, if soap was on sale, he'd buy 50, 50 soaps. Yeah. He'd go to his, his bathroom. soap everywhere. Good old Uncle Terry. So Joyce, if I did finish seventh overall in that, uh, that City of Bath triathlon, there's a lot of guys getting checked on that day. Yeah, for it, yeah. Nice work. Lawrence Pidcock was in there. William Collins, Athlinks listeners. Good stuff. Okay, John. Uh, there's no real questions and answers, so let's just do the patrons. Patrons are Anne, the Thong, Thiles. We've got um, the Bard. And that's the Thong as in Jandal's Thong. Yeah, we always get a last name wrong. We're not, I don't think Thiles is where you say it. I think it is. Okay. Uh, Joan or Thomas Deary, and that's the Barge. Joe Aragon Spragans. Nice, nice. And then we've got Nemo Brack, and that's Dory. Nice. Jumbo, it's uh, actually, we're, we're releasing this before Christmas. We are. So, Merry Christmas to everybody. Yes, and thank what, you. To what, what does your Christmas Day entail, John? Uh, Christmas Day, what will it entail? Um, presents, first thing. Holding the kids off, we'll set a particular time that the kiddies oh, are allowed to get up. Parent, are you? Oh, yes, we are. Oh. So, but our kids get up pretty early, so it'll be like six or six thirty or something like that. It'll be it'll be reasonable. My mum used to make us make our bed, mm -hmm. so we'd get up. And you can imagine me; I don't have <laughs> self control. So I'd wake up like a, like a firecracker ready to go, mm -hmm. and she go because we used to live in a cheap. <laughs> we were pretty poor. I was brought up in this flat in Eddington. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, and uh, and. Uh, 
We had the upstairs, downstairs. It was a very small flat. And uh, but you had to make your bed before you're allowed to go downstairs and see the presents. Yeah. To meet him. And the plate will still be out and the beer will have been chugged. Santa will have chugged the beer and he will have eaten the goodies that were, were left out overnight. Nice. So you leave a few crumbs on the ground. And there'll be a little bit of smunched up carrot over there as well that Rudolph's had. Yeah. And then we'll just sort of do some presents, have a break, breakfast, probably a bit of croissants for breakfast. So Belinda's family's there as well? Her parents will be up there. Yep. So you don't see your parents on Christmas Day? No, alternate years. Oh, do you? Yep. And then uh, have a bit of probably do some more presents and get out of the beach, do a few Skype calls in the middle of the day. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, we'll have a turkey for. How do you do the turkey, do you? I, I insist. Their family tries to rebel when I put my foot <laughs> you down. You pull rank, do you? Yeah. So we're having a turkey. Because <laughs> it's a bit of an art to cooking a turkey because it can mm. be dry, can't it? Mm. So what's the art? I don't know. I'm not in charge of cooking oh, the so turkey. You I just say <laughs> turkey. I'm not cooking it. <laughs> it must be a turkey, <laughs> but I've got nothing to do with it. <laughs> I cook everything else, but I'm not doing the turkey. <laughs> Yeah. So who cooks a turkey? Oh, Belinda's mum will chuck it in. Oh, nice. Yeah. How long does it take to cook a turkey? A few hours. Got to make sure it's properly defrosted. That's the key with the turkey. Oh, really? They take a long time to defrost. Mm. And then uh, probably do that, and then we'll probably laze down the beach in the evening again, a bit of beach time in the middle of the day. The kids get pretty exhausted? Mm. Yeah. Do they have yeah. friends up there? Do they have kids they meet up every year? Oh, a few little second cousins and stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Be all good. Bevan? What about New son? Year's? Because I won't see you. I won't see you until 2016. 20 uh, New Year's. It was late. We got Kiteri. It's a tiny little place. And some really shocker at this time of year. Yeah, it is, but it's still pretty quiet relative to other places around the world. Uh, there's some really rich lady up there now, American, who pays to do a big fireworks display on New Year's Eve. Oh, wow. And they've set cool. it up on a barge just off the beach. Probably more than five minutes. Probably. <laughs> and it just goes nuts, and you have a full-on proper fireworks display. So it's all good. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm. Bevan, you got anything exciting coming up? Well, so what happens from here? So pretty much what's today, Tuesday before Christmas. So um, this week's my social week, just trying mm-hmm. to catch up with lots of people because mm-hmm. um, it's that time of year. So we're pretty much every night we're catching up with friends. Yeah. And then I'll catch up with mate of mine over from the UK. Um, do, lots think, of, do lots of you runners give you presents and stuff or not? No, because we wrap up running now. Well, mm. we've recorded this two weeks before Christmas, so mm. running's actually finished for the year now. Okay. So we have a Christmas run. Yes. Uh, it's always it's a, it's a pack a card session, basically. On Christmas Day? No, or? no, 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 we do it. Right. The said day before. It's right. always the Saturday before Christmas Day. So it would be, I would have done it now. But basically what is the session where I stand as a suggestive centre and they do like a small you know, 100 metre out and pack. And they, get it, they pull a card out and depending on the card, you have a different cone and do different exercises. And there's like punishment <laughs> cards and stuff. <laughs> Happy Christmas. Go do 20 press-ups. <laughs> or go do 32 press-ups. Yeah, you have to do like t- oh, 20 burpees or something. Oh, they love it. People love it. <laughs> it's just basically me entertaining myself. Yeah. And um, then Christmas Day is always a bit funny for me nowadays because Joe goes to... Um, Wanaka, or no, Arrowtown, the mm-hmm. Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So I always wake up Christmas Day. <laughs> so lonely. So lonely. Um, so lonely. So I, uh, I always make myself a nice breakfast. And then... Bit of swine. Was that? Bit of swine yeah. on the fried yeah. up swine. Yeah, that's right, I'll do it to you. And then, uh, so I have a nice breakfast, and I'll play my piano or something. And then um, from there, I head around to my parents' house, and it's just family pretty much all day. And then I fly down to... Arrowtown and spend the second half of the day all pretty much from about five onwards with Joe's parents and her mm-hmm. family and then we go camping we go camping down in Glendu Bay with Porno and the crew and mm-hmm. we're big night we're, this year we're doing our dress up theme is 80s and Joe I can't tell because Porno listens to the show but Joe has delivered on my 80s right. I'll put a photo up on if you follow me on Instagram it's absolute gold Gosh. I'll tell you after once we're, it's, yeah. it's seriously it's 
gold. It's not like it's a competition. You, you, you no, won. I've won. You've won. I've won. Joe's done it brilliant for herself, but she's compromised and given me the best suit. And she, right. she made them all. You're she made saying, them? She made it. Oh, my goodness. Made it. Yeah. I can't tell you now. because So she's had a nap today. When I came around, she was napping. Plus, yeah. she's still got time to make things. You're not working it hard enough, Bevan. No, the good thing about the fitness industry, and I love this about the fitness industry, is it dies in December. Mm. So like most industries right now, most people are thinking, oh, just get me through to Christmas mm. Eve. Well, in fitness, it's like December 1st comes around, I'm on <laughs> holiday. <laughs> so, hey, babe, you made the outfits. She's done. But for, the, for Christmas, or for New Year's. Yes, yeah, yeah. Joe says you've got too much. John says you've got too much time. Napping, <laughs> napping, making costumes. <laughs> We get a little sweat factory going down. Says you can make a new IM talk. So I'm thinking about getting a new IM talk uh, bike jersey and uh, shorts and stuff for a ten year, completely new design, and we'll come out with a new strip. And nice. Joe's going to make it all. <laughs> mm. So uh, so we'll do New Year's, and then we're actually we've kind of treated ourselves. Where are we going, babe? <laughs> You've done good organisation. Oh, What's the place we're staying at? It's, we're Melbourne. staying in Millbrook for a few days, which is kind of a nice resort. Hang out, Bob Charles. Yeah. So we're. Uh, we're doing camping and then a few days in a nice place and then back, nice. back into the grind, John. Back into the grind. So just for you guys, we hope you have a wonderful Christmas season and it's lots of loving time with your friends and family, lots of food. Don't be too anal about training. We'll let go of <laughs> the reins a little bit. Yeah. Um, and thank you to everybody who's contributed, whether it be through posts on Facebook, whether it be age groupers of the week, uh, questions, anything like that, and especially the patrons who are just making everything nicely so what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks is we are going to be releasing shows uh, we're going to do one uh, I did the interview of Gorda on my other podcast a couple of weeks ago and I've uh, got heaps of good feedback about that it's not necessarily triathlon related but there's lots of value and kind of life stuff in it so I'm going to check that up next week and then we're going to put one of the earlier legends of triathlons on so well, I've suggested Bevan I'm giving him discretion but I've suggested even the very first one we did which was Spencer Smith it was and, and I agree so it was a pretty great interview wasn't it it is because he's just very open isn't he and also we have, if you haven't already seen it, we uh, should be out by now, hopefully, our latest Legends of Triathlon podcast with Fernanda Keller, who is a pretty damn impressive person. Mm. So we're gonna, so there's lots for you guys to listen to over the next few weeks while you're on holidays or if you're still working through the Christmas period, but whatever it is, guys, once again, as always, thank you for all your support, all your love, everything you do. Uh, good luck, have a great Christmas and New Year's, and we'll see you for the big year in 2016. I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.